Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Pastor James Biddle and Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Remember, we are blessed to be a blessing. I know this has been an emotional week for him, but those on the leadership team here for, for myself and for Rick, we're here because of our relationship with him. Uh, he had connected with Kiko and pretty much um, kind of tied my arms behind my back and made me come to church here, said, you're going to help us. But I have grown so much. I came in, I'll just be honest, I came in with kind of some chips on my shoulder, um, and I knew that the Lord was going to use him to help rub some of those off. I recognized him coming in because I work in the nonprofit world, not the church world. And so I just had some stuff that the Lord wanted to do in this process. And because of his friendship, that's really what it's come through, his friendship, his leadership. Um, God has used him to speak into my life so much, and I know it's been the same for you. And this, this isn't the last time we're going to see him. This may be the last time that we call him lead pastor here. I don't know. I'm not going to say that because <laughs> I told him this week, he was giving me advice on Friday and he said, don't ever convince anyone to stay at your church. Don't chase them down. I said, unless they're the lead pastor and then convince them to stay at your church. That's what I told him. So I'm trying to convince him to stay at our church, but I know God's got great things for his family. But how many of you know, he has poured, poured himself and sacrificed sacrifice time that he could have been spending with his kids, that he could have been investing. He believed this is where God was calling him, and it has impacted us as a result of that. So would you welcome my friend, Pastor James. And and before our friend leaves, we have a little gift for you for your birthday, because we love you. Your church family loves you. Hey, if you say good things about the pastor, you might get a card as well, so take note. Thank you. I'm trying to keep up with you. Pastor Michael is my dear friend. Pastor Rick is such a dear friend. I count all of you as friends and family. And it's been a hard week, uh, but it's been a joyful week. We sold our other house this week. Got it under contract. Sold two houses and within the span of two weeks, got a full price offer. It's just been amazing. God has been so faithful. When I found out, uh, I was close to having to pull over and just rejoice and thank the Lord and because... I mean, you know, like Peter, when you step out of the boat, I mean, it's not up to you anymore. <laughs> it's up to Jesus. And so as a family, we stepped out of the boat and gave over control of this whole process. And, I mean, you know, I like to be in control. Staff, is that a shock? Is that a surprise? Meshach, is that a surprise? And I had a, a devotional with my kids just about stepping out of the boat and what that looked like for Peter. And even though Peter began to fall, Jesus didn't let him sink. And, and I, I encouraged my kids and said, God's not going to let us sink through this process. And God's not going to let the church at Emmanuel sink through this process. So we are all stepping out of the boat, stepping out of our comfort zone. If you're new today, if you're a guest, I have served here as the pastor for seven years. It's been an amazing journey. God has done so much. We've met so many wonderful friends. And we're transitioning to uh, Middle Tennessee, Mount Julia. And so uh, Pastor Rick and Pastor Michael are going to be taking that mantle, and we're going to be praying over them at the end. And so nice to have Sarah Wilkerson with us, one of the very first people that was here at the church when we came. And she's got a real special place in my heart count her as a dear sister in the Lord. And she served so faithful here at this church for so many years and uh, laid a lot of good foundations. And so I'm honored to have you today. And I appreciate Tyler for helping us on the drums. Didn't you do a great job this morning? And, and did you get to see my sweet wife? Is she here somewhere? Did you get to see the new baby? I hope everybody sneezes on the baby before you leave. Okay, get real close. And Especially if you have whooping cough, make sure you get real close to the baby today. I'm, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, but uh, we want to honor her. She's here somewhere with the baby, and so thank you for supporting that. And uh, I want to get in. I've got a message that I want to bring today, and then we want to have a special time to pray at the end. Nobody's in a hurry, right? My kids were asking me, they're like, Dad, are you going to preach for like two hours? I said, I might. I don't know. <laughs> they can't fire me. I don't know. I might. <laughs> but I do have something that I want to bring to you today. This is very special. Sarah will remember this, and Mary will remember this, and Jared will remember this, and David will remember this. I'm going to be bringing you a message today that was the very first message that I ever preached here 
Adam Manuel, and I wasn't the pastor. I just came as a guest. Pastor Burl, our founding pastor, was working hard to keep everything going, and, and my wife and I were in transition. We were going to be church planners. We had it in our heart that we wanted to plant a church here in this area, and through relationships and connections, they said, well, why don't you go over and just help Pastor Burl for a little while? He's working hard at the church, and he could probably take a break and enjoy somebody to speak for him. And and so I came and connected and, and uh, preached this message, and I wasn't even the pastor here at the church. Honestly, at that time, didn't have in my heart aspirations to even serve here as the pastor. God began to develop that as we uh, begin to go and grow together. And uh, haven't preached this message again in seven years. How I many know if it's worth preaching once, it's worth preaching twice, amen? But, uh, and I do that. I recycle messages at different times. God will bring things back up. But Susan, has, I've never had this message come back up and 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 I knew about three weeks ago that this is what the Lord wanted me to do and it was so prophetic at the time speaking this didn't even realize the implications of this message so just as prophetic as it was then it's going to be as prophetic today just as it really laid and shaped the foundation for the next few years as a congregation I believe this message is going to lay and shape the foundation for this church for the years to come. It's such a powerful message. It's titled, a little, t- little different title this time, but it's titled, God Has a Dream. Would you say that with me? God has a dream. And it's bigger than what you can see. It's bigger than you can see. God has a dream for you. God has a dream for your family. God has a dream for your children. God has a dream for your employment. God has a dream for your ministry. God has a dream for this church. God has a dream for this body, and it is bigger than what you can see. Let's jump right into our text scripture. We won't spend a lot of time on introduction. I want to jump right in. Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, and we're going to talk through some history about this. Many of you may not understand this passage but this is a powerful verse. It says, So he said to me, Zechariah 4, 6, from the NIV translation, This is the word of the Lord. Would you just tell your neighbor, This is the word of the Lord? Just tell him, This is the word of the Lord. And what I love about the word of the Lord, the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12, God watches over his word to perform it. And just like God watched over this word to perform it among these people, God is watching over his word today to perform it and complete it in our life. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. How many of you know that that wasn't on the short list of names when we were naming our baby? God said this to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's read it again. It's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I want to give you this morning God's dream for his people, God's dream for his nation. And I want to take you on just a little brief history lesson so we can understand God's dream. You know, you know, I'm so comforted by Philippians 1.6. God began a good work in you. He will be faithful to complete it. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. When God authors something, he's responsible to finish it. We're in the process now of getting our home ready to, to sell. We just shared last week that we got that house under contract, and I'm so thankful for that. But we had started painting one section of the deck of the railing, and it ended up being, have you ever painted deck railing? Oh, dear Jesus, save your money and pay somebody. <laughs> it is terrible. And so we started painting half the section, and I told the, my realtor, I said, make sure and tell the other agent, don't worry about it. We're going to finish that deck. We're going to finish that project. So I spent most of my Saturday yesterday with my mother, whom I just appreciate so much, painting that deck and that railing. And I kept kicking myself. I was literally kicking myself like this, like, why did I start this? Why did I start this? They would have bought the house without the deck being painted. Why did I do this? And it's cost me money and time and energy. But you know what? Something in my heart, Pastor Rick said, you know what? I started this. I have to finish it. I have to honor my word. I said, I'll do it. I started this. I have to finish it. If as a human, I have that tenacity, if as a mere mortar, I have that, I have that unction to do that, how much more will God keep his word? If he authors it, if he starts it, he'll be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful to finish it. 
So I want to take you back to, to Genesis. We're just going to talk through some things. Pull up our first little slide about history. This will help me navigate this and keep track. We know about Abraham. God called a man named Abraham, and he wanted Abraham to to have sons and children and, and create a nation. The reason Abraham was to create a nation is so that the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, would come through that nation. He is the father of our faith. And we read about his sons, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and the 12 tribes of Israel. It's kind of like the 12 states of, uh, you might, you know, call our states in America. There's 12 tribes of Israel. Each tribe was a son, a grandson of Abraham. And so famine hits the land, and they travel to Egypt. And while they're in Egypt, they're for the famine to get food. They're put into bondage and captivity. They're put into slavery. Then we meet a man named Moses, and Moses means drawn out of the water. Remember, the Hebrew woman had the baby, and she didn't want the baby to die, so she put Moses in the basket, sent Moses down the water, and Pharaoh's daughter found Moses, and God raises up Moses, and he ends up, remember going to, to Pharaoh, and he says, let my people go, let the people of God go out of bondage, and so Moses leads them out now of bondage, and they travel in the wilderness for 40 years. They walk around the desert for 40 years. And look at the next slide. Moses now dies and goes on to be with the Lord. And God raises up a man named Joshua. And so Joshua takes over leadership and he leads the people of God into their promised land. They're in bondage. They're in slavery. They're let out. They're free. God says, I'm going to give you a land. I need a people. God says, I have a dream of a nation. God says, I have a dream of a great Messiah to come forth through the seed of Abraham. I need a people. I need a nation. And Moses led them, and Joshua took them over and led them into the promised land. And then we wind up into the book of Judges. And this is really the story of all the tribes of Israel doing their own thing, and it didn't work out. And so they kept clamoring for a king. Give us a king. Give us a king. And they had two primary foes during this time, two pri one primary enemy, and it was the Philistines. How many of you remember David and Goliath? So the people of God have a major enemy, the Philistines, and Saul's chosen as king, and he commits the fall and through pride, and God anoints and selects David as king. Look at the next slide here that we see. And so David serves faithfully. And he reigns and he has a son. And, and as David dies, he begins to transition his leadership to Solomon. God had a dream for a people. God had a dream for a place. God had a dream for a nation. Despite enemy after enemy after enemy, despite setback after setback after setback, God still had a dream. So Solomon hears his father talk about this temple. Up until this point, hundreds of years, God's house, God's temple was in a tent. Was They were very nomadic. It would move from place to place. So he didn't have a permanent home. And God put a dream in the heart of David to build a house for the Lord, to build this temple. And David wasn't able to do that, but he raised money for it, passed that on to Solomon. Do you see how when one leader goes, God keeps the dream alive? Even though one leader does something different or goes on, God's dream stays steady, stays right ahead. Notice this, Solomon builds the temple. The dream is fulfilled. God now has a people. God now has a permanent home. It's called Solomon's temple. For the next few hundred years, the kingdom would be divided and divided, and they would fight battle after battle, and the kingdom would now continue. The kingdom of Israel would continue to sin and rebel against God. It's a very sad situation. During this time, we see Isaiah. How many of you have heard about Isaiah? We see Micah. We see Amos. We see Hosea. These are prophets. These are prophets God is using to call his people back. God has a plan. God has a dream. So throughout history, he's raising up prophets to speak the dream of God. Look at your neighbor and say, to keep the dream alive. Tell them to keep the dream alive. So the northern tribes of Israel, remember we've got 12 tribes, they're eventually conquered by the Assyrian army. Look at our next history slide. And then, uh, go back one. Go back one. Well, no, that's good right there. So the northern tribes are conquered by the Assyrian army. 170 years later, all the southern tribes are now conquered by Babylon. This is when Jerusalem is, is overtaken. This is where we meet Daniel and Ezekiel. Remember, this started way back in Genesis. God had a dream. God had a plan for a people. God had a plan for a, a purpose, a place. So we meet Daniel and Ezekiel, and, and along with thousands of Jews, they're exported to Babylon, and now they're in captivity again. 
They started in captivity in Egypt. Now they're back in captivity. This is where we see Daniel in the lion's den. This is where we see Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. You were there, man. What was it like? How was it? You don't even smell like smoke, praise God. This is where we see Shadrach, Meshach. And Abandigo and, and, and the fiery furnace and, and this is, this is a tragedy, Pastor Rick. The temple is destroyed. They're overtaken now by the Babylonians and this dream of God now lay in ruin. This dream of God, the city of God, God's holy place that he built now lays in ashes. This is a broken dream and a shattered vision. The people of God now are in captivity. Things don't look like that they had planned, but when God has a dream, He's faithful to complete it. He's faithful to, to bring it to fulfillment. And so God's holy city is burned and left in ashes. This looks like the end of a dream. Look at our next history slide. Eventually, I believe by the hand of God, the Babylonian Empire is overtaken by the Persian Empire. And God gives the people of Israel tremendous favor with the king of Persia. He rounds up all the Jews that have been in captivity. And he says, this isn't right that you don't have a land. This isn't right that you don't have a temple. He had heard stories of how the Babylonians had conquered and, and killed the temple, killed the dream of God. So he rounded up all the Jews and he sent them back to their land. He said, I want you to rebuild the temple. And by the way, we're going to pay for it out of the king's treasury. And so King Cyrus issues this decree. And Israel began for two years, for a season, Israel began to rebuild the temple. But there was opposition there was persecution. Armies began to come against them. Things became difficult. It was smooth sailing for two years, and then things became a challenge. What did they do, Pastor Rick? It was so sad, they stopped. For 18 years, only the foundation of the temple was built. Things were good. Man, we're, we're, we're free. We're, we're going back to the purpose of God. They worked hard for two years, and then because of opposition... Because things got tough. Because challenges arose, they stopped building. Now for 18 years, the foundation is there, but there's no work done. And so God raises up Haggai, and God raises up Zechariah, and they are prophets, and they begin to sound the alarm. They begin to call the people to rebuild the temple. They begin to sound the alarm. Help us. Come back together. We can do this for the Lord. Now let's go to the next slide in our little history lesson. There's two people here you need to know. There's a high priest named Joshua, not Moses and Joshua. This is another Joshua. And then there's the new governor of Judah. Remember the king sent all the people back. You can have your own land. You can have your own city. Well, they elected a governor. This is Zerubbabel. Remember the word of the Lord came given to Zerubbabel. Remember the prophets, Haggaziah and Zechariah? So Haggai and Zechariah begin to speak to Joshua, the high priest. They begin to speak to Zerubbabel, the governor, and they sharply command them to start building the temple. Finally, after four years later, the temple of God is rebuilt. What started in Genesis, even though it had ups and downs and valleys, the dream is restored. The broken dreams and shattered visions are now a reality because the people of God began to move in that direction. And as I studied this in history... There were four things that stuck out to me that I want to share with you today that I believe will help you in your future. Look at your neighbor and say, the dream is alive. Number one, I'm going to give you four lessons to rebound and rebuild. Four lessons to rebound and to rebuild. Number one, we notice here there is proper position of the prophet, the priest, and the people. Let me say it again. I know it's a mouthful. That's alliteration just for Selena. Praise God. Proper position of the prophet, priest, and the people. The prophets, Haggai and Zechariah, they had to be in position to hear the word of the Lord. I want you to know that God has raised up. We have, I'm going to call them prophets of the house, Pastor Michael and Pastor Rick. I believe God has raised them up. And what the prophet's job was to do, his position was to hear the vision of God, to hear the dream of God. For seven years, God has spoke the dream of this church through my heart. 
But now God is going to use these two men in a powerful way. And they're going to be in position now to hear the dream of the Lord. Remember, the dream doesn't stop. Just because leadership changes, the dream doesn't stop. Amen? So now we'll call them the prophets of the house, not to make them feel weird. You don't have to call them Prophet Michael and Prophet Rick. And Although Rick might like that. I don't know. You can ask it. But my point is, the prophet heard the word of the Lord. And then they spoke to the governor and the high priest Joshua and Zerubbabel. So I'm going to call the governor and the high priest. I'm going to call that our staff. I'm going to call that our ministry leaders. I'm going to call that our department coordinators. The prophets of the house are going to hear God's dream for the house, and they're going to pass that down to the leadership, and then they're going to pass that down to the people. The people actually rallied together, Susan, in a beautiful way and began to rebuild what had been destroyed. The people carried out the commands of God. God spoke through the prophets and through the leaders, and then every person, every man, every woman had a job to do. You know, that sounds a lot like Ephesians chapter 4. The, the proper position of, of the pastors in the house. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. These are the gifts Christ gave the church. One thing we must do as a church is, as these men are serving as pastors, if God raises up and brings in a new pastor, a new leader, we must esteem them as a gift. Candy, would you tell him he's a gift from God? I know you want to do it. I know you've been waiting on it. I remind my wife all the time, don't you forget now the Bible says I'm a gift. You know, I'm a gift. But the thing about a gift is a gift must be received. A gift must be received. And the gift must be used. How many of you have ever been given something and you received it, but you put it on the shelf and didn't really do anything with it, didn't really take full advantage of it? We've got pastors in the house who the Bible says are gifts from God. You must lean into them and let them do their ministry, and you must let them be used of God in a dramatic way. These are the gifts Christ gave the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Look at verse 12. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. I told Pastor Michael this on Friday. I said, you have three responsibilities. Prayer, preaching, and people. What you hear in prayer, you preach. And then you build up and edify the people. That's the job of a pastor. What's going to be challenging, and Pastor Rick is going to help with this in such a tremendous way, Pastor Michael has carried a lot of hats that I've not carried, so I could focus more on prayer, preaching, and people. So there's going to be a shift now where he will begin to carry more prayer, preaching, and people. And Pastor Rick's going to help in that a lot. They're going to tag team preach, and, and you can bet, you can throw lots on who's the better preacher that week. You know, you can, you can cast bets. Who's going to be preaching this week? Who's going to do better? But God's going to use these men to hear his voice, to hear the vision, and we have to make sure that we allow them to do that. So number one is proper position of the prophet, the priest, and the people. Everybody has a part. Joyce's part is just as important as Pastor Michael's part. Chad's part's just as important. God has a part for the body. Amen? Let's look at number two. The second lesson to rebound and rebuild is proper priorities. Proper priorities. This is amazing to me. Look at Haggai chapter one and verse three. I want to read a few scriptures here because this is amazing to me. How long was the temple in ruins? Eighteen years. Listen, they got used to, let me say this prophetically if I can. They got used to, let me try to word this in an in appropriate way that I, I, it's just coming to me from the Lord. They, 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 they became used to seeing the vision, but not seeing the vision. I would dare say on year three, after they had built for two years, and then on the third year, every time they walked by, their heart hurt because the vision wasn't being accomplished. Every year they walked by, it became easier and easier. Well, maybe it's just God's plan for us to be a small church. Well, it's maybe it's okay. Maybe the empty seats don't affect us anymore. You know what, man? We used to be real community outreach-oriented. Now it's more about us and how we feel and what we want to do, and we become okay with it and okay with it. For years, they walked by, and I can imagine people crying over the temple. Why can't we work on it? Why are we stopped? I can imagine meetings. We've got to get this thing going again. And every year, they become more and more used to seeing the vision without seeing the vision. Seeing the vision on the computer screen is different than seeing the vision when you're out in the community and you're loving the broken and the hurting and the dying. It's one thing to read it on a bulletin and see it, but it's another thing when you see it. 
when you see the church living the dream, living the vision of God. So you must never get used to not seeing the fulfillment of the vision. Although this church has done some great things and we've seen a lot of great things, we have not fulfilled the vision that God has for us. We can never settle. We can never get used to that this is just where we are. Because for 18 years, and you know what? I'm going to say this nicely. It ticked off God. God became ticked off that for 18 years they gave up on the vision. Look what he said through Haggai chapter 1 verse 3. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Look at verse 4. God here is kind of, he's chastising them. He said, is, is, is it a time for yourselves right now to be living in your nice paneled houses while the house of the Lord remains in ruins? God's saying, you live in your nice house. You're taking care of your family. You're taking care of all your business. But my house lays in ruins. Verse 5, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Anytime the Lord adds Almighty to what he's saying, you had better pay attention. He wasn't saying this is what Jehovah Rapha, your healer, says. That's good. But he's saying, I am God all-powerful, and I am speaking a word to you. He says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. What is that saying, Miss Susan? It's saying, have proper priorities. You've become used to living a certain way, and God says, change and reorder your priorities. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. Meaning God's saying, it's not my desire for you to plant much and harvest little. God's saying, it's my desire for you to plant much and harvest much. It's God's desire for this church to plant much and harvest much. We cannot settle for a small harvest. It's not the will of the Lord. He said, you've sown, but you've not reaped. Notice this here. You, you eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you're not warm. You earn wages, but you put them in a purse with holes in it. Can I paraphrase this? Because your priorities are out of line, you're, there's no satisfaction. You, 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 you become used to the house Lord laying in ruin, and, and the vision is here. Meaning you must do something to go after the vision. Notice this here, verse 7. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go to the mountains and bring down timber and build a house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. You expect much. See, it turned out to be little. But what you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord? Because my house still remains in ruins. And while you are, why each of you, verse 10, Jared, go to, go to verse, let's see, where are we at? I've, I've got nine, verse nine. I want you to see verse nine. It says, you have become used to the way things are because my house remains in ruins while each of you is busy with his own house. Nothing wrong with being busy about your house, but we must also be about the Father's house. And what is God's house now? It's not a building, it's people. God's house is people. So you've been busy building your own house, and the house of God lays in ruin. We must never get so busy in our own life that we forget God's dream and His purpose and His vision for His church. What is His vision for His church? People. His vision is people. Amen. I got one guy that likes that. Let me give you some proper priority perspectives. Look at the next screen. Proper Priority perspectives. Number one, they remembered their purpose. 30 years ago, when Pastor Kevin planted this church, God had a purpose. Seven years ago, when I came, I picked up that mantle of the purpose of God. Now I'm passing that purpose on to these men and faithful men and women in the room. We must never forget our purpose. We're not just here to take up oxygen. We're not just here to take up real estate. We're not just here to give you something to do on Sundays between 10 and 12. God has a tremendous purpose for this body, for this church. We must never forget it. I told Pastor Michael, I said, every week, cast a vision. Every single week. Because we must remember. The second thing is they renewed their commitment. Can I be real honest with you and transparent? I'm going to anyway. Because I got the microphone today. Won't have it next week, but I got it today. And you can't fire me to praise God. Let me challenge you. This is a great time to renew your commitment. It's a great time. Sometimes when there's leadership changes, people look for a way out. I'm telling you, I would ask you to seriously ask the Lord and pray about it. Don't just do what you want to do. This ain't about what Brandon and Heather want to do. It ain't about what Selena wants to do. It's not about what Rick and Susan want to do. Can we be honest? It's not about what Pastor James wants to do. This is what does God want for me during this time? If I had to tell you, it's probably to renew your commitment. 
I haven't heard from the Lord that God has released any of you, and I've been praying over it. I haven't heard the Lord on that, okay? So that means you're stuck in loving it, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you're stuck in loving it. And I, I don't mean that in a, a negative way, but I would ask you honestly to ask the Lord to, to help you. Do you need to renew your commitment? It's not time to duck and run. It's not time to change. It's time to, I promise you this, in prayer, I, I felt this real strong. I'm real careful to say this, Kaylee. I'm very careful to say this, but I felt this real strong. I believe with all my heart, if you do not renew your commitment during this time, I believe in six months you will look back and regret it. You will, and I'm not saying that as a, to scare you, but I'm saying you will look back and go, my life has a, there, a piece of me is empty now because I didn't renew my commitment because God was calling me to do it. In six months now, from a year from now, you'll look back at all the great things God is doing here and you'll want to come back and be back apart and they'll welcome you back in, but it's going to be different. There'll be a break in fellowship and it will be different. I'm telling you, I promise you, please take that as a word from the Lord. You will look back. I believe and regret it. Let's renew our commitment. And then they move towards fulfilling their calling. They move towards fulfilling their destiny. What are some of these priorities where I look like? Look at the next screen. Number one is to seek. This church has a calling to seek God, to be a house of worship, to be a place of seeking the Lord, of submitting to the will of the Lord, hearing His voice, and then serving. This is a house to serve the community. We're to serve others and serve those around us. And so those are some proper priorities. Number three, not only... Do we have the proper position of the prophet, priest, and people? Number two, not only do we have proper priorities as a people, as a church, to keep the dream of God alive, but number three, they properly pulled their resources together. They properly pulled all their resources. They said, you know what? We can do this thing. The temple of God has been laid in ruin for 18 years. We can do, you know what? Imagine this. Imagine 18 years going by. Imagine the children that were born during that time, and they would walk by and they would say, Mommy, what is that? What is that temple laying there? What is, what is this building? What, now, you know, a few years have went by and vines have grown up and it's weeds, landscaping's become overtaken, and, and they would say, Honey, that was, we started building a temple, but things got hard, so we quit. Things got tough, so we quit. And I can imagine the little six-year-old boy, Mom, what, what, doesn't God want his house? Doesn't God want this temple? Who's going to do something about it? Eventually, that six-year-old boy grew up, and he was probably a part of that team that said, you know what? If the old people aren't going to do it, the new generation will. Amen? If they're not going to do it, I'm going to be a part of this life-changing generation. So they properly pulled their resources together. Psalm 133.1 says how good and pleasant it is for the church of God to dwell in unity. We must come together and be in unity. There is no room for division. No room for division. Can I give you a warning from the Holy Spirit? I believe one attack Satan is going to use to divide is disunity. I, you are going to have, if I could see the whites of everybody's eyeballs, I want you to hear this from my heart. You're going to have tremendous opportunity to be offended. Don't take it. You know, the Bible talks about those who take offense, meaning offense is something you can take or you can leave it. Every day when I come into this place or a staff meeting or you know what I tell myself today, I'm going to choose not to be offended. You know how many opportunities I've had working with these two guys to be offended? Dear me. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'll walk in the door, man. I'll come in like, I'll get here early. I'll be praying. I've heard from God. I am fired up about something we want to do. And the first thing they say is, have you talked to Tara about this? <laughs> and then I'll be fired up about a vision. I'll have an outreach idea. And I'll go home and I'll be talking to my wife, Tara. And the first thing she says, have you talked to Pastor Rick and Pastor Michael about this? I can't get away from it. But Jim, I just choose not to be offended. Let me know, in ministry, you have to have thick skin and a tender heart. To be a Christian, you can have thick skin and a tender heart. Well, I, I waved at Pastor Michael, and he didn't wave at me. He's got 17 kids. He didn't see you. There's a reason he drives a church van, you know? Man, I, 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 I text Pastor Rick the other day, and, and he didn't text me back. I do not have any room to talk. But I do not yet drive a church van. <laughs> I text Pastor Rick, man, and he didn't text me back. You know, you can view like four text messages on your screen, and they keep going down and down and down and down. 
He was right in the middle of work, and he just he just slipped his mind. Pastor Rick's a great man, but are you perfect? No. Do you return every text? No. Doesn't mean he hates you. He just didn't get back to you. Oh, I, I, I told Kendy that I wanted to be on the worship team, and she didn't put me on it. Well, have you heard yourself sing? <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, I told them on my church application that I wanted to work with kids ministry. Have you looked in the mirror? You know, you could take a bath or shower. That might help. I mean, have you seen yourself? I mean, you know, I'm, I'm using, I'm using weird examples here, but, but my point is in, in all, in all seriousness, you're going to have tremendous opportunity to be offended. And Satan's going to make sure of it. Soon as, soon as I take my little Pastor James nameplate off the door and walk out of here, Satan's going to go, ooh, we got an opportunity, we got change, we got new leadership. He's going to do everything he can do to come between Pastor Rick and Pastor Michael. You need to pray for them. He's going to do everything he can do to cause division between our leaders and our elders. He's going to cause everybody in the room to be suspicious. Listen, I've known Pastor Rick for years, known Pastor Michael for years, known George for years, known David for years, known Joseph for years, our elders here. They have good hearts. They have good hearts. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Because I walk out the door, their hearts don't change. They would not be on staff here if they had bad hearts. Don't listen to the lie of the enemy. Pull your resources together. Everyone worked as a team. Everyone sacrificed for the vision. It's going to take some more time from some of you. Some of you are going to have to give more time. We put in a lot of time behind the scenes, certain things that you don't see. You're going to have to put in more time. They came together for a common goal, a common purpose, and God blessed them tremendously. God blessed them tremendously. They gave God their time, their talent, and their treasure. Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one. Two are better than one because if they, they have a good return for their labor, and if one of them falls, the other can help them up. Proper position. Prophet, priest, and people. Proper priorities. This is how they kept the dream alive. They pulled their resources together. Time, talent, treasure. The church needs you right now to serve and invest. There's something you can do if you're just sitting there not involved. Jump in, man. The water's fine. There's a great place for you to make a major difference for the Lord. Number four, we close with this one. And this is the most important. They were connected to the proper power source. When did God say through Zechariah? When did God say, pull it up, verse 4, chapter 4 and verse 6. When did God say this? Are you ready? That 18-year span, remember, no temple being built, the temple of God laid in ruins. Remember, God sent prophets to bring them back. That's when God said this verse. We like to stand up and, and say, not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And we have no idea what that what, what it even means. We have no idea about the context. The dream of God lay in ruin. It looked hopeless. The money had been spent. They couldn't even find the blueprints. People had given up on it. Things were different. Things were chaotic. And God steps on the scene and says, it's not by a person. It's not by a personality. It's not by your own human effort. It's not by your own power. It's not by your own wit. It's not by your own energy. But it is by the Spirit of the Lord, says God Almighty. It's not by might. It's not by power that God's going to rebuild and restore and keep the dream alive. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord. They realized it was not human effort. It's not how good he can preach or how good Pastor Rick can do systems or it's not how capable our worship team is. Those are all great things. You need to develop in those things. But it's by the Spirit of the Lord. There's something greater at work here than just human ability. There's something more powerful alive in this place than just how good we can do stuff. That's why all church prayer is so important. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by numbers. It's not by bank accounts. It's by the Spirit of the Lord who is the unlimited resource. The dream of God for His temple in a holy city was not surrounded and centered around one person, one family, one personality. It was Acts 1.8, what we see in the New Testament. It was, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Now here's the greater part of this whole message Look at Haggai chapter 2, verse 8. We, we share this scripture all the time. People quote it, and they don't know the context. 
Remember Haggai and Zechariah were the prophets raised up to lead in the rebuilding of the temple? It laid in ruin for 18 years, the dream of God to be kept back alive. Gives this verse a brand new meaning. This verse was written during that time, same time as Zechariah, not by might nor by power. I want everybody in the house to stand with me if you can. How will we pay for it? The money has been spent. How will we do this magnificent? The temple cost billions. Billions, the blueprints that were given to Solomon. Billions of dollars. How are we going to get the money to, to carry out the dream? Can I say this? Money is no obstacle to the dream of God. Well, if we had more money, we'd do more ministry. No, 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 no. You do ministry and the money will follow. Pastor Rick will tell you there's not been a trip that he signed up for that God hadn't provided. He'll sign up to go and teach and train students and youth pastors and won't have a dime to go on and God will provide. I've done it dozens of times. Signed up to go on a trip. How are you going to pay for it? God's going to pay for it. Look what the Lord said. He said, the silver is mine. The gold is mine. Now listen to this over you. This is over you. I'm releasing this over you. Look at the next verse. I'm releasing this in this house this morning. The glory of this present house, the one they were building, will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord. And in this place that was ravaged by war, God said it would be a house of peace. And I will grant it peace, declares the Lord Almighty. So today I'm releasing this over you. I stood here seven years ago as a guest speaker, and I said the glory of this present time will be greater than the former. And it has been, Mary. And I stand here and say the glory of this house moving forward will be better than the glory of the former. It's a new season. And it's not just preacher talk. I believe it with all my heart. It's a new season. Everything they needed to rebuild the house was there. In, in the community, in the people, they had everything they needed. They had the skills. They had the finances. And God said, the silver's mine, don't worry about it. The gold's mine, don't worry about it. The glory of this present house will be greater than the former. So at this time, I want to ask Pastor Rick to come up, Pastor Michael. I want to ask our elders, George, David, and Joseph may be downstairs. I want you all to stand right here. And what I'm going to do this morning, you face me, guys, if you don't care. I want the elders to get around you guys. Pastor Rick, come right here if you don't care. Pastor Michael, come, come right here. I asked the Lord what to do this morning, and... And there was a time when, when the Lord transferred the, the, the burden and the anointing and the compassion off of our founding pastor. And he put that on me and I was able to carry that. And I remember when that happened and I was shocked by it. I was like, Oh, I've never felt this before. Ooh, this is different. It just feels different when you pray. You're like, Oh, this is something, this is different. And what I'm going to do is ask the Lord to transfer my heart for you, my compassion for you, the anointing to lead this body. I'm going to ask the Lord to transfer it into these brothers as the proper position of the prophet, the priest, and the people. We're going to get behind them and follow what God does, and our elders are going to hear from the Lord. And so, guys, lay your hands on them. Congregation, stretch your hands this way. Father, I ask you in Jesus' name for a transfer of your heart, God, that you you put in me for this people in this church. I ask you to transfer it to them now. God, let them have a compassion for this place and this body like they have never had before. Lord, the vision that you put in my heart for this congregation that I tried to share, I tried to get them to see it, Lord. I tried to put it in words. And I, I struggled, God, to, to even verbalize, Lord, what you wanted to do here. Lord, would you would you burn that in their heart now? Lord, transfer that to them now. In the name of Jesus, I ask for a release of the anointing on my life to lead Emmanuel Assembly, and I ask it to be transferred to these men in Jesus' name. 
Lord, I come against every discouragement in Jesus' name. I come against every morning when they wake up, Lord, and feel discouraged. We come against the enemy now. We say you'll have no place. Satan, we give you no place. God, let the mantle that started 30 years ago with our founding pastor, let it rest on them. God, I'm asking you to overwhelm them with your vision for this church. God, let them never become satisfied with status quo. God, let them never become satisfied with where we are. Let them have a passion to go and grow for the kingdom of God. Let Let them populate heaven and plunder hell in Jesus' name. God, we ask you for a great harvest of souls. Lord, I ask you for a release of the supernatural healings and miracles and signs and wonders let them clearly hear from you in the name of jesus in the name of jesus amen come on can we give god praise thank you father i was laying in uh, bed last night um candy was still putting one more kid to bed it's when you have 17 it takes a while and um I just lay in there and the Lord just began and was continuing because I know how vision works. It expands. Um, that's the way it's been for where I work with an urban youth ministry. I've watched it expand. I watched it grow inside me. I've watched my confidence grow. I've watched other things happen in that process. And so I know, I know vision grows. Grow with us. Grow with us as it grows. Understand that this is a starting place and it will be good, but it will get greater because it grows. And I know that he's seen that happen in the last seven years. You've watched that as you've come along. I've seen it here in this house for four and a half to five years. It grows. It grows. And um, we just, we want to do something special at this time. As I look at Acts chapter 13, and they gathered Barnabas and Saul, as we know of Paul, and they, through prayer and fasting, sent them out, commissioned him. We want to do that as well as a church. And I'm going to ask uh, Pastor James, the family, to come up. We want to pray over you guys. We want to commission you. We believe that there's going to be no shortage of ideas for outreach at Joy Church any longer. <laughs> that you're not going to have to run it by a staff and a wife. That you're just going to, yeah, woo! we got resources and we're, doing, we're going. God has put that heart already in him. And so we just, we know that the call of God is already, it has been evident and it's going to continue to grow. It's going to continue to grow in this new chapter. And we're excited for the kids. We're excited to see what God's going to do inside of you. This is a new chapter for the family. And Tara, the Lord's going to provide exactly what you need in this transition. He's going to walk with you. He's going to be faithful. You're going to experience him in ways that you wouldn't have been able to experience him by staying here. So trust him. I believe that. That is my prayer. That is my belief that he is going to do things in and through you. He's going to provide for you. Would you, if you want to come up and surround them, we're going to pray over them. Rick, would you, would you pray? The verse that um, from Hebrews that comes to me all the time when I pray for you guys, and really a couple of days, Pastor James, after you, let me know that you were going to be uh, moving on and following the Lord. It just keeps coming to me all the time, and I've actually repeated this verse to many people here in the church, and I know you're familiar with, with this, but it says, um, but without faith it is impossible to walk with God and to please Him, for whoever comes near Him comes near to God must believe that God exists and he is a rewarder of those who earnestly and diligently seek him. This is a reward for you. This is a reward for reward for Tara and your family because you guys have been seeking him. It's really a promotion for you all. And it is it's God We say this all the time in the body of Christ, it becomes trite and maybe kind of watered down, but God really does know your heart, Pastor James, for the lost. And this is fulfilling. This is to fulfill the calling on your life. And this is not just, you're not going to get to this place and you're going to be like, okay, this is it. I've arrived. This is where I'm staying. There's going to be other great things coming to you even more. This is just that next step that you're taking. 
And this is a reward for you and your family. It's a reward that you're not going to be bivocational anymore. We've talked about that. I know that transition. It is nice to be able to focus on one one job. Amen. It's going to be a it's going to be a blessing, and I believe it's going to be be peace to all of you and your family. It's going to be peace. Let's all pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for we thank you for bring, thank you for bringing this special gift of the Biddle family to all of us. And we know that right now we're just saying see you later, but it's not a long goodbye. We thank you for that, Father. We thank you that uh, for the calling on their life and that they have been seeking you and that you're making a way. Lord, we thank you for their houses selling so quickly. We thank you, Lord. There's so many signs that you are in everything that's happening. You're in it for them and you're in it for Emmanuel Assembly. I pray, God, you continue to work out all the details for them. Lord, I pray that you would continue to supernaturally give the kids, James and Tara, give them peace, Father, in the name of Jesus. 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 Lord, I thank you that for Tara that you're, you're going to be bringing relationships to her that are going to fulfill the need in her life. Lord, I thank you that even though they're, they're moving away from their family that they're related to, but you're bringing other family to them. I thank you for doing this, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you that every step that they take is ordained by you, Father. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. You guys can uh, all have a seat. We'll be finished up in just a, just a minute. As you're being seated, yeah, the whole... The whole Biddles. Y'all can just camp out. At this time, we really just want to do something special to bless them. We're going to take up a special offering. uh, And then we have something small we want to present as well. Um, This is a time where we show them what what they've meant to us and just send them off with um, a token of, of our love and appreciation. And so... I just encourage you guys to to really just express that extravagantly because if there's anything I've learned from Pastor James, it's his generous heart. It's um, his his heart for missions, his heart for anyone who's going through anything that he would give to his own detriment. He would give to his own detriment. And that's something that has really challenged me. And so this is a great opportunity to really show our love and appreciation and the impact he's made. And so at this time, you can make out a, a gift to Emmanuel. We're going to take it. That's why we did it separate. We want to be able to set it aside and give that directly to him and bless his family. And so, um, you know, we're believing for roughly $20,000, I think it is. Yeah, <laughs> roughly, give or take. But let's let's do bless them. <laughs> Rick said a promotion. So I... I'll just pray over you and then uh, let's give let's give as our heart leads. Father, we thank you so much for just this Biddle family. We thank you, God, for this new chapter, this new season that while there are things that we're sad about and nervous about, but Lord, we know we're stepping into something great. But God, there's gonna be so much more joy on the other side, literally. But God, we thank you, Lord, that it's not gonna, um, it's, you're gonna meet them in the hard days. You're going to be with them um, in the in the excitement of, of newness as well. So, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness and your hand on them. And, Lord, today, bless, bless the people as we express our love for them. It's in your name we pray. Amen.